touchdown. Oh, God, is that pretty. God, is that pretty. Yeah, I'm a gentleman. I like to be humble. I'm old school. I don't like to talk a lot. But at the same time, am I talented? Tell me how you felt about what just happened there. That's him going deep. That's him going. Work ethic. Work ethic. I could play this game forever. Oh, I could do I that. love it, don't I you? I love it, yeah. I mean, it's the kind of thing where literally I play the game and it's like four hours go by. Fate has me highly skilled and loaded with talent. Because oh. I think I'm good enough to figure out how to beat myself. You push yourself and push yourself trying to achieve the impossible because you know that when that moment comes, that everything you've done up to that moment has prepared you for victory! I can't take credit for it, Mike. I gotta thank these little digital guys with the big hearts. Does it feel good to be a champion? Yeah. Yeah, it feels good to be a champion. Good game. Hey, Brooke, um, are you ready to go now? Hi. Girl, can I tell you that I I got chills the first time I saw you next to me. We locked eyes, girl, you look so pretty. And ooh, your smile shot me straight through the sky. I knew I'd give you more than a try. Want to give my love away like Oprah on Christmas Day. Season finale of Third Lunch, the end of season two, the end of your first full season at the lunch table. The 2020 Seatown season has come to an end, capped off with AJ winning his first title, 171-64, over one of my two co-hosts on this pleasant uh, December evening in Michigan, Chuck Smith. Sorry for your loss. Hey, second place, hell of a year. Hey, man. Uh, all credit to AJ. He had the best team in the league. We said it all year. He deserved to win. He really did. He had the best team. I'm, you know, bummed that I lost. And but I'm, I'm honestly, I'm happy I even had a shot because after the way shit went uh, on Friday uh, with Alvin Kamara, I didn't even think I didn't really think it was gonna be fun. But it, at least it ended up being fun. So uh, there's that. And that's why you play fantasy football just for the fun. You know, you don't play to win. You don't play for the money. You don't play for the bragging rights. You just play to have fun. You know, just having fun with your friends and having fun with his friends on a Wednesday night. Adam Ratliff, how are you? up i'm good i'm good i i'm glad you agreed chuck that you you know you didn't really deserve what you got this year um and that's not what i said <laughs> that's exactly I what think, i heard no i deserved what i got which was second place oh, i okay. didn't deserve first place i'll i'll say that deserve the silver oh, that's fair i'm good i'm good jordan you guys should know that this afternoon uh troy got a hold of my upper lip in one of those you know one and a half year old death grips and actually uh got a chunk of the inside of my lip in under his fingernail so I have a large cut in my mouth, which is making it a little painful to talk. But other than that, I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. Put a little bourbon on it. We'll uh, just keep on moving. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we're just fighting right through. Uh, we, I think we start this episode with uh, the finals. Just looking back on uh, what we saw that last week. Uh, AJ's team, uh, you know, Adam, I think we talked about what we expected from this team. And I think we got in many ways what we expected, plus a historical performance in Week 16 from Alvin Kamara. Uh, we also got a great week out of Chuck's team, which made for a really fun 4 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, it was a lot of fun to like see everybody 
like texting, currently watching it all together, you know, having that feeling like we were all there for it, which is part of the fun of fantasy football. The camaraderie of that moment was was really great. Uh, but Adam, like, take me through the week a little bit. Um, I mean, at no point was Chuck's team really dead, but with the way the week started, it had to be tough um, to come back from something like that. But quite a performance by his team to be able to to put up that type of fight. It was incredible. It was an incredible roller coaster. So much fun watching fantasy. I didn't even know. Yeah. Chuck, Chuck, you're an expert at um, uh, losing early in the playoffs and then watching teams later on. I, I, I haven't done it very many times. This was fun. This is fun. Is it always this much fun? You don't have to. I'm not. I'm not here for your goddamn <laughs> condescending no, attitude. No, Ch- I'm not Jordan. here for your goddamn <laughs> condescending attitude. I'm not here for see, it. I'm gonna leave the pod. I'm just gonna walk see, off. We, okay. I'm not. You're all not right, gonna get my opinion at all. Walk off. Season finale. We, we thought recording by Wednesday, Chuck would have cooled down a little bit, and he was cool for about two and a half minutes. <laughs> we just got our answer. No, it was what, what uh, you, you you said it right, Jordan. We were talking after Chuck left us last week that um, the table was really gonna be set by Kamara and Cook, and we threw out some numbers, and neither of us went as high as, I think it was 77, which was what they actually combined for. And, and you know, Chuck, when they're just like, when they're just counting on their fingers the Kamara touchdowns, I'm sure that had to put a little bit and, of a damper on Christmas. And then they ran out of fingers. And then they pull out yeah, the and second hand. And, um, I mean, just, you know, I, I, I imagine being both of you, I mean, AJ thinks it's in the bag, and, and then... Mike Evans happens, um, and and uh, and you know that was set up for Tampa to pour it on the Lions. Everyone knew it was going to happen. Um, I don't think everyone knew it was going to be Mike Evans doing it the whole time. But just like that, uh, Chuck is right back in it. Um, and you know, and then we started on Sunday. You guys all have a bunch of people going in those one o'clock games. And, and there was a specific moment that I remember. It was very late in the 1 o'clock window, uh, you know, second half of the fourth quarter. Houston, Baltimore, and Cleveland. I don't know if you guys were watching Red Zone. I, yes. Yeah, this, yes okay. I, I was – ooh, that was a moment. <laughs> Chuck, you were down by I think it was kind of in the 30-ish, 20-ish range at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys had an even number of guys going at, in, in the 4 o'clock window. So it, it was kind of make or break. Houston, Baltimore, Cleveland were all in the red zone. And Chuck went three for three. Um, Lamar threw one. Uh, Chubb ran one in, and David Johnson caught one. And and it was it was one of those okay, here we in, go moments. In the span of about thirty seconds, my yeah. team scored like twenty five points. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of unreal. <laughs> I, I was thinking to myself, okay, if he gets if he gets one. He might stay alive if he gets two touchdowns here because it, it really looked like kind of the last opportunity for you to get touchdowns out of that one o'clock. Group. Yeah, I mean it was yeah it was the fourth quarter of all those games. Yeah, and and, and I was like if he gets two, it gets real interesting. And you got three, um, and and so that was that was awesome. And it kind of it kind of countered for uh, what had to be a little bit of disappointment from the the position group that carried you all year, which was at wide receiver. You know, you you, you had to make the call that there was going to be no Keenan Allen. And then, um, you know, if I had told you, Chuck, that DeAndre Hopkins gets 12 targets and eight catches, you probably would have hoped for more than 12 points, right? Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of, lot of catches, not a lot of yards. But but it all came down to that Seattle Rams game, and it was so much fun. I, I like, I was, I was in, like, Cowboys are fighting for a playoff mode watching this game with my family where I'm just like, Mallory, you need to, you need to do bath tonight. I'm, I'm so locked into this fourth quarter. <laughs> Something's happening. 
Yeah. I took I took this same screenshot that Eric took right before he sent it, where you guys were literally tied at one sixty two point four four to one sixty two point four four. It's incredible. Unbelievable. It's, it's unbelievable. unbelievable. With like four minutes left in that game, it was it was just so much fun. It came down to the Seahawks, and and um, AJ got enough. He got thirty from his Seahawks. The Russell Wilson rushing touchdown late was huge, right? Because if, if it's Chris Carson, or even if it's just a, a passing, it's it's not the impact's not as big, obviously. But um, you know, I we could put your, ourselves in your shoes, Chuck, and you were you were generous in sharing on the group text uh, what you were going through. But I mean, just just briefly, I mean, what the Rams had the ball, um, and and it it kind of looked like it was going to be the last possession where anyone was scoring. Right, um, because if the Seahawks got it back, unless the Rams scored, the Seahawks were probably not doing anything with it. Um, what was going through your head? Were you um, were you ever optimistic, or was it was it just just panic and worry the whole time? Well, uh, I was optimistic um, going into the the, the Rams Seahawks game. I was I was up like two points or something, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, all I need is Cup and Carson to outscore Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. Um, you know, and, and the three of us had been texting and I was like, you know, I'm such, today I'm like the biggest Jalen Ramsey fan, right? Like he's the guy who's really on my fantasy team today, right? I really need him to shut down DK Metcalf, which he did, uh, as well as anyone can at least. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, going through the game, I felt really good for a while. Uh, the, the Russell Wilson touchdown was the dagger though. I, I mean, I knew it was over at that point because the only thing that was going to save me at that point was, um. Well, I, I I texted you guys. It was two catches for thirty nine yards. <laughs> is what I needed. So it was still you, kind you of. You had close. the bonus in there. That was huge, right? Because because right. everyone's looking right. at a six point disadvantage, and we're thinking that's kind of a lot without a touchdown. Yeah. But you pointed out you had the bonus, yeah. so you really only need four I needed, points somewhere in there. Yeah, I needed I needed to get to the bonus. Um, yeah. So it was it was still really close. Um, it, it was still really close, but. Oh, Sean McVay is just a fucking idiot, and I hate the fucking Rams so much. I just <laughs> just hate the Rams so fucking much. I had, like, a lot of the Rams on my team this year, so I had to watch them a lot. And Sean McVay is that fucking guy that's just so convinced he's so much smarter than everybody else that he's going to zig when everyone else zags. And it just, I just, I don't get it. I don't know why he does the things he does. There's so many end arounds to Robert Woods that I just don't understand. There's a lot um, there's good. a lot of, you know, I'm going to play 3 and 4 running backs at a time. Just, I I don't know. I don't I don't know why I, Cooper Cup is to me by far the best player on that team who should catch 120 balls just because of the guy he is. Mm-hmm. Um and he gets misused in that offense. Maybe they will change that next year. You know, good luck to his next owner. Cooper Cup will not be on my team. Oh, wow. Well, you heard it here first. To anyone who's who's looking to buy low on Cooper Cup, nobody Jeez. wants Cooper Cup. I'm not. I'm not telling anybody anything no. they don't know. <laughs> yeah, and we usually don't get. We don't always get in C-Town a great finals. You know, we've seen low-scoring finals, or um, you know, I feel like I've been in finals before in C-Town where I, I've gotten blown out. We don't always get the cap, you know, final game of the season the way we want it. And I feel like we Ch- did this week. Go ahead. And Chuck, it, it was your highest scoring game of the season. I don't know if you were Yeah, wow. yeah, it was. Yeah. It was week week one and week 16. Those were my best weeks. Kind of bookended the season. 
Um, they were nice. they were right about the same, like 163, 164, something like that. So, yeah, I mean, you can't do better than your best. I, That's right. <laughs> you, you just you you throw it out there, you see what That's sticks. What they say. You know, if you told me I was going to score 165, I would have been like, fuck yeah, I win. You know, and <laughs> it just didn't work yeah. that way. So, yeah. I feel like we got to talk a little bit about AJ, uh, the roster Do tinkering we? that went on. Throughout. We don't have to. We could talk about other things. <laughs> we okay. can, but maybe no, just. No, okay. I'm fucking with bit. you, AJ. I just. It still hurts. Just, it still hurts a little. It's still fresh. You know, you're still, you know, just removed from it. But. Um, all the roster tinkering, and Adam, I know we saw so many different moves. You know, in the flex spot, the quarterback spot. You know, he's kind of back and forth, uh, especially with quarterback. And then the decision to go with with Metcalf and Wilson. What did you think of that? And he ended up making the right decision. So you know, it's 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 credit to him. Um, now, if he got Miles Gaskin into his lineup like he had talked about, it would not have been as close. But he still had a hundred and seventy point week. Um, but as we had talked on the previous pod, we were expecting to see Baker Mayfield, and it was probably credit to AJ to look again at that matchup and to go with Russell Wilson and to trust DK Metcalf uh, in Week 16, as he had done throughout the entire season to that point. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, he was not going to start Russell Wilson. Um, yeah. he, he, Baker had been in there all week. He said it on the pod. And then, um, obviously, the Browns get hu- get hit by COVID, and it was the right call. I, you know, it's you see the Jets on the other side of that matchup, and it's 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 juicy. Uh, but it was the right call, especially with the way that game turned out. He also had, I believe, it was Mitch Trubisky in there at one point, um, and it, he ended up having a good game. He would have worked as well. Sure. He scored twenty four twenty five. But it was the right it was the right call to go with Russell Wilson. What what uh, you know what you're doing, and I you know we talked about this last week a little bit. What it, you are, you know, it's it's you now have two guys dependent on that that matchup with a tough Rams defense. Where if Ramsey shuts DK Metcalf down, it now has reverberations for two guys on your roster. So it's it's just the riskier play, but I think it was the right play. Like we said, the rushing touchdown really kind of saved Russell Wilson's day, um, and, and DK did enough. Uh, six for fifty nine for twelve points. Uh, he had him in the flex spot there. It, it, it was enough. Um, I, I, you know, Miles Gaskin would have been a risky play uh, coming back from yeah. from COVID, if I'm not mistaken, um, or injury of some sort. But yeah, it was um, COVID. It was COVID. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. But he ended up having a big game. But that was that was a Saturday game, so you you know you would have had to pull that trigger early. He had some moving parts. He had some moving parts throughout the playoffs, but yeah. he ended up pulling enough of the right levers. Um, that that it, it was enough to score. You know, he scored one seventy. We're saying, you know, he maybe left a couple points on his bench. Um, that's just yeah, that's crazy. That's just how good this roster is. And it's just how good of a week Alvin Kamara had. Yeah, and, and credit to AJ, great season. Uh, like Adam just said, you know, you had um, difficult decisions throughout the playoffs and throughout even the end of the season to you know hold on to your buy spot and to get you get yourself into this position to win a title. Uh, Adam, I want to pull a quick audible on the the podcast rundown here. And I know for behind the tears, you were you wanted to look at how AJ stacks up all time. How this season, now the winningest season in the history of Seatown, the first team to ever win fourteen games. Uh, Drew and I oh, previously had won. <laughs> well, Drew and I previously had won thirteen. Uh, so now AJ sits alone as the only person to ever win fourteen in this league. Uh, but how does this season in your mind stack up? I know previously we've looked at some of the best. Uh, in this league, has AJ uh, inserted himself into that conversation? 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I saw that, that he had won 14 games, and and like you, was pretty sure that had never been done because I, I think a team had only gone 12-1 and won twice and, and hadn't won a championship. So, um, you know, it's pretty easy to, to figure it out that he was the first team to win 14. And then I, I thought, well, I know we also won the scoring championship, so we need to go back and look at this. Um, and so it, it, it's kind of to revisit a, a, a Behind the Tears segment we did earlier this year. And, and just if you recall, we ranked the best season of all time quickly. You know, JT came in in 2017 at fourth, Drew at his 2018 season at third. And then there were two that stuck out, if you recall, Jordan, because only twice before in this league's history had the one seed, the team that won the regular season championship, won the whole thing. I myself did it in 2010, which I ranked as the second best season of all time. And Jordan, you did it going um, 11 and 2 in 2015, and you ran through the playoffs. Well, now AJ's done it, having gone 12 and 1, also the highest scoring team in the regular season, also the highest scoring team each round of the playoffs. Wow. Of the teams that remained in contention, something you had also done that season. You know, the, the, really, the only credential that your 2015 team had that his doesn't was that your team also faced the highest points against, which is really what made that season so incredible. But, but you got to look at. I think AJ's team and your team are one A and one B. Um, I, I really think this could have been the greatest season of all time, and a lot of it comes down to, uh, you know, something else we mentioned before, which is that AJ had running back one and running back two. And uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't looked this up specifically, but I'm pretty confident that's never happened before. And is there, is there a more valuable thing you can, you can do uh, in setting up your roster? It was a deep team. It was, as Chuck said at the top of this podcast, the best team the whole season. I don't know, Chuck. I mean, does it feel like you just lost to the best team of all time? Because I think you might have. <clears throat> well, it like when you look at some of the players that I had to play against, right? I mean, you don't think of some, you know, T.Y. Hilton and his, you know, 13th year in the league as being a world beater or, or Antonio Brown post peak, um, you know, but, but other than that, I mean, I, this is a team we're going to talk about for a long time. This is a team that AJ's going to tell his kids about. <laughs> like there was a year where I had Kamara and Cook and nobody could fucking touch me. And and that's all it took, right? I mean, he put together some other really nice pieces around it. But at the end of the day, this team was built around Kamara and Cook. And I think, you know, AJ could have done a lot a lot of different things. But, but this team was going to win a lot of games just with those two guys. Uh, and then you toss in the fact that, uh, you know, he got uh, DK Metcalf right at kind of the... Um, the height of his ascension here um he makes a, a, a great acquisition to get darren waller deontay johnson you know one of those kind of get your guys that worked um you know all of that kind of play and playing together at once i mean yeah this this team you know when you really do kind of look at it and you really do start to talk through it yeah this is one of the best one of the best teams it's hard to say for sure it is the best um but i mean We'll talk about this team forever. I mean, you know, 10 years from now, we'll be like, yeah, you remember that team AJ had with Kamara and Cook? Fuck that team. That was unfair. You know, like that's the way those conversations are going to go forever. Um, and, and seriously, I, you know, putting that, that roster together, that took a ton of effort from AJ uh, over the course of several years. Um, this wasn't catching luck in a bottle or, or anything like that. Uh, this was, this was like a hard earned championship. And I, uh, I truly, truly 
really do respect that um, because there was several years where AJ was not very good. Um, and it, I don't know. I just I have to imagine for him that makes it that much sweeter. It's kind of like like if the like when the Lions win a fucking championship, right? Like Detroit's just gonna burn down, right? Oh, yeah. uh, they never will because they never do the the right things to do it. But AJ did do the right things. Um, and so again, a sincere congratulations to him. Um, you know, his team was better than mine. I, I I've said that all year, um, and I think we've all said that all year about his team versus every team. He had the best team this year. He deserved a championship, plain and simple. He deserved it, and this is one of the all-timers. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think it definitely stacks up against uh, the team that Adam and I have had previously that, um, you know, won the regular season as well as the championship. You know, of those three teams now that have done it, AJ's team, you're right, Chuck. I think we're going to be looking back at this team in a few years and saying, I can't believe on the same team he had DK Metcalf, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, we may be talking about Deontay Johnson like that in a few seasons. Like he has players right now uh, that in a few years could have standalone value. Um, Darren Waller being another, right? That just, you know, these Kenny are, Galladay on IR all year. Yes. Like, to be able to survive something like that. Uh, he trusted the process. You're right. This was a long time coming for him. He fought through some tough seasons, continued to build around a group of keepers he had had for multiple seasons, continued building around a quarterback he had for multiple seasons as well, which I really like, had this this core in place and took it to a level that a lot of us have not gotten to. Um, and I think, Chuck, yeah, you probably ran into, if not the best, one of the three best for sure teams of all time. Um, congrats, AJ. And we'll definitely be talking to you soon because I know one of the things we want to do on the pod is go through everyone's offseason and now some of the big questions that everyone's team is going to have as we look forward to 2021. And AJ, you've got some big decisions, but they're kind of fun decisions because you have this just plethora of talent, um, which the rest of the team, the rest of the league is going to be uh, very hungry for this offseason. So that's going to be fun uh, to watch throughout the offseason. Quickly, let's talk a bit about that third place game. Um, Adam seems to be fiddling. It's gone on a long time, um, but I'm going to keep it moving. Um, <laughs> uh, on to the third place game, a game that ended up being closer than the final score looks came down to Monday night, that bills game with Tyler, just having Stefan Diggs left. He was down just a few points to drew after the AJ Dillon game, which I'm sure we will discuss. Uh, and then Tyler ran away with it. An incredible performance from Stefan Diggs, a performance that won a lot of people their fantasy title on Monday night. And it won Tyler the third place game. Uh, a great cap to a season for Tyler, where again, building off this group of keepers, he's able to uh, you know finish off a good season with a third place victory. Well, it's funny we talk about getting seventy seven points from from Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara, and Tyler says, "I see your seventy seven. Let me raise you to like ninety by Devonte <laughs> Adams and Stephon Diggs. Right. I think what what is the number? It's eighty eight, almost eighty nine points. Forty apiece. Um, yeah, exactly. Which is just crazy. I mean. They both had insane games, and then it just didn't matter from there. I mean, that's right. that's the story of the third place game. It's just uh, other than, of course, Drew's best friend AJ Dillon, that clearly he just texts with on the side and like has a personal relationship with. Like Drew's the only person in the world that started AJ Dillon last week, sure. uh, and I love that. I love that. That's like one of the coolest things that's ever happened in this league. It's too bad it didn't matter at all. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I <laughs> Devonte Adams is Stephon Diggs. Like whoa. Jesus, that that was the story. That was the story. Um, and, you know, I guess we didn't really need the playoffs this year. 
AJ was one, I was two, Tyler was three, <laughs> Drew was four. Yeah. We we solved absolutely nothing and everything uh, all at once. So uh, I guess that's a fun little thing. Just no upsets. Yeah, it's rare that happens. It's like all the one seeds making it in March Madness, right, to the right. Final Four. Like, the, you just think it chalk. would happen every year. It just does not happen that way. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, didn't learn a whole lot, except there was clearly four teams that were better than the other six this year. There was a bit of a drop-off to Adam and then a, a chasm to the rest of the league. Uh, and I think that's going to show a bit in what teams are, are buying and which teams are selling in the offseason. That's a good little preview for us. It's always next season, baby. Always next season. And with that in mind, as we close out the 2020 season, Adam, Chuck, and myself have put together the first annual Seatown Superlatives so let's dive right into the first annual Seatown Superlatives, starting with uh, one of my favorite categories. And we're going to do this, uh, as, as Chuck has said, one of the producers of this next segment. Uh, we want to do like the Oscars, right? You want to grab the audience early, you know, after they've, they've seen the, the cold open. They've done the big musical number. You got to keep them there with a big award. So we're going to start with a big award. And our first big award is the 3G Award. The 3G Award, the Go Get Your Guys Award. So on draft day, this has become a an inside joke in the league. You got to go get your guys, right? No matter the price, no matter the cost, go up in the draft and go get your guy. Adam and Chuck, your nominees. Chuck, I'll, I'll start with you. What are your nominees for the Go Get Your Guy Award? All right, I have I have two nominees. Uh, my my first nominee is going to be uh, Russell Wilson, taken by Adam Drews at uh, pick twenty six in the third round. My second nominee is going to be. Uh, Hayden Hurst, taken by Drew at pick 46 in the fifth round. Uh, Russell Wilson, I am nominating um, as a go-get-your-guy. The Seattle connection between uh, AJ and Russell Wilson. Uh, He took Russell Wilson one pick before Kyler Murray was taken. Um, He was the... uh, the second quarterback taken, obviously we had Lamar Jackson kept and, and Patrick Mahomes kept. Um, but uh, Adam took Dak Prescott, and then the next quarterback off the board was Russell Wilson. So pretty high to take Russell Wilson there. I think uh, you know a lot of people would have had Kyler Murray or maybe even a Deshaun Watson ahead of him. But again, A.J. went and got his guy, Russell Wilson. Um, seemed to work out for him just fine. Uh, and then and then Hayden Hurst, who was such an off-season darling of the uh, fantasy community, uh, leaving the Ravens, going to the Falcons. Austin and Hooper had had such a big year uh, for the Falcons the year before. And uh, Drew took Hayden Hurst there at 46. Drew, uh, you know, didn't have a lot of picks uh, in the middle rounds of this draft. Uh, he reached pretty hard for Hayden Hurst. Um, I think Hayden Hurst was maybe the fifth tight end taken, fourth tight end taken. Um, it was definitely a go-get-your-guy. He did not finish his tight end four or five, regardless. <laughs> so it was definitely a go-get-your-guy, and one that was totally predictable. I think we all kind of knew it was coming, but those are those are my nominees for the uh, the 3G award. Those ones are good. Those ones are good. I think they both fit the category well. Uh, Russell Wilson, he's been on AJ's team how many times? I mean, he's a he's an AJ's right. guy. Um, right. I got to stick with the tight end theme, though. I'd like to nominate uh, JT, uh, who actually took Tyler Higby at 17 overall, which made him. Oh, God. The, I think it's second tight end off the board. And it was JT's last pick until 35. It was, um, I don't, I I guess I don't know what it was if if it wasn't him going and getting his guy, if if that makes sense. (laughs) 
Um, With Darren Waller just sitting there, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Waller fell. Uh, something we'll all have to kind of ask our questions, ask ourselves in the offseason why that happened. But yeah, went, went and got Tyler Higby at, at 17. Um, and then I, I, something I, I'm probably not going to try and do too much of tonight, but I have to nominate myself. Because um, I, I, I think it's this a fair a category to nominate yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went and got my guy at 22. I got Dak. Uh, you know, Chuck, you, you made the joke as I was walking to the board at 20 to pick. Um, well, another maybe guy that could have been nominated here was when I took AJ Green at twenty. Um, but uh, you made the joke that it's it's spelled D A K blah blah blah, and I I I knew that I was going to take him at twenty two. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I had to go get my guy. I got to you know got the running back, got the wide receiver, got to complete the set. <laughs> yeah, the, I think it's very meta on a podcast you do about your own fantasy league to pick yourself when talking about the go get your guys <laughs> category. So I'm very, transparent. I'm an open yes, book, Jordan. Put it out there. Right. Yeah. Speak your truth. Um, I'll just throw one more out there because AJ really like his draft strategy in general was go get your guys. Uh, so you could say almost every one of his picks, Tyler Boyd, Deontay Johnson, and he just won the league. It worked out. So this may be next year, maybe a real big go get your guys year after what AJ pulled off in this league. Uh, but I guess the pick for me that, that speaks the most to that would be AJ uh, at 42, um, taking Zach Moss. That's a go-get-your-guys. Uh, there was a Utah connection, rookie running back, needed the guy on his team. Kind of a reach, like went ahead of Aaron Rodgers. Like there, <laughs> there were big names on the board, and he was like, I'm going to go get Zach Moss right now. Um, Henry Ruggs, of course, could be another you throw in there as well for AJ. And the winner is the 3G Award winner in the 2020 Seatown Superlatives, Drew taking Hayden Hurst. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> Drew never Big said. Pause. <laughs> well, no, it's because it's. It, I, I think it's pretty it. obvious. <laughs> Excuse yeah. me. Drew never said he was going to take Hayden Hurst. I don't think he said anything about Hayden Hurst in the offseason at all. But it was the worst kept secret in the league that yeah. Drew was yeah. going to be in love with this guy. There was zero possibility that he wasn't. And so and telegraphed. It just, so it telegraphed. made perfect sense. Yeah. So pulling out the best and worst picks together. I'm going to start the nomination process on best picks. And really, I, I think everybody has their own criteria for a lot of these best and worst that we're going to go through. For me, best pick is given the position in the draft, you know, finding a player that delivered through the season better than someone else you could have found at that pick. So I'll go with Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson did not stay on Jimmy's team. Even when he took him at 63 in the draft, he like laughed to all of us and said, I could have waited a long time to take him. But it was a very good pick given what Justin Jefferson was able to do this year. He didn't do that for Jimmy, unfortunately. did it for a couple other managers. Um, you know, Justin Jefferson got around a little bit this year, uh, but was a very good pick. Um, went ahead of some other rookie receivers. I think Jimmy knew something, but just didn't quite trust himself with Justin Jefferson. And uh, that's why I think it's one of the best picks of the year. It, it does fit the criteria, especially considering Jimmy traded up to get him at that point. Uh, mm-hmm. I do believe that was a trade-up scenario. So um, the one reason, and I'm, I don't, maybe I shouldn't argue these, but um, for me, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nominate two guys here. And what was important to me is that not only did you draft the guy, but you, you kept the guy <laughs> on your team the whole year. Uh, that seems important to me in, in the best pick. Uh, not, you know, it's not a best value uh, category. It's the best pick. You know, did they help your team? Justin Jefferson did not help Jimmy's team. So for that like reason, that. for that reason, I would not. I didn't nominate Justin Jefferson, although he was uh, certainly considered as an honorable mention. But um, my two 
for for the reasons I outlined are um, Tyler at 18 with Stefan Diggs and myself, not myself, much like uh, Adam, um, myself at 14 with Keenan Allen. Uh, both those guys finished as wide receiver ones this year um, and were not keepers, were not taken in the first round. In fact, both were taken in the second round uh, after you know, six, seven receivers had been taken off the board ahead of them. Uh, both guys remained on the teams, and both both guys uh, were on teams that ended up on the podium and had a great impact for their managers. So those are my nominations. Yeah, I can't I can't quibble with those. You know, Justin Jefferson, I, I, I can't consider him not keeper material. You know, just not keeper material, so I can't consider him. We've said this, it all uh, year. He's just not yeah. very good. <laughs> we just keep um, saying You know, I, I, Chuck, you got the, the right to, I think um, – you know, two guys who it seemed people wanted to stay away from, Stephon Diggs and Keenan Allen, and they slipped in the second round. I'll throw one more out there. Uh, Josh Allen at 102. You know, I coming off a, a really good season, a season where he ran for like eight touchdowns, I think, and it just seemed people were weary of regression. Uh, you know, it kind of been two years in a row where it didn't really look like he could throw the ball. And now, you know, if, if you look at, you know, ESPN and sports writers and everything, he's like, maybe probably going to finish in the top five in the MVP voting. Uh, so, so you know, to, to your criteria, Chuck, he did not stay with JT's team. Uh, he was on JT's and Eric's teams this year. So, you know, not really helping anyone in any kind of playoff race. But, uh, but still a good pick, really good value to get uh, a guy who ended up being um, a quarterback two right now by a hair behind Kyler Murray. Yeah. Um, so, so good pick there. I think it comes down to Diggs and Allen, guys. And I'll just say, I, I, I think it has to be Diggs. Um, I think so, too. Chuck, I think he got a little lucky with Keenan Allen in, in that Herbert took over so early, ended up being good. And then, and then yeah, kind of the kicker that he let you down at the end of the year. Whereas sure. Diggs, um, Diggs finished, I, I think he's going to, yeah, he's going to finish, I think, as wide receiver three. Um, just incredible. I mean, Tyler trades DeAndre Hopkins. Julio falls off. And he's kind of stumbled into he's got Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs. He's, he's, he's got the same elite receiver duo that he's always had. Um, I, I think it's got to be Stephon Diggs. Yeah, I agree. Winner of the best pick this year, definitely Stephon Diggs. Uh, just won Tyler, the third place game. Uh, and also transitions very nicely into the worst pick because I took T.Y. Hilton two picks before Stephon Diggs. And mm. I, I kicked myself uh, quite a bit about that one. Uh, and, and they were like two kind of veteran receivers uh, with some question marks going into the year. And I, I for whatever reason, went Hilton over Diggs. Uh, it was the, the bag of bones over the new face in a new place. So now let's go into worst picks. And we can consider T.Y. Hilton uh, to be one of those. Um, Chuck, are there any other worst picks that stick out to you that should be nominated? Oh, there's plenty of terrible picks. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. There's Almost the first them. round's worth. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Honestly, you look at the first round of this draft, and there was like two and a half guys that were like worth having on your team. It's kind <laughs> of wild when you really go back and look at the uh, the way that that all shook out. Um, but my uh, my nominee for worst pick uh, has actually been mentioned already uh, previously. But uh, I'm going to go with Tyler Higby at pick 17, uh, a player that was uh, <laughs> maybe on six or seven different teams this year maybe got started one or two weeks uh i don't think is going to even finish as a tight end two um he he was actually atrocious um and he was taken as the uh the second tight end in the draft so uh yeah you you get my nomination jt 
Yeah, and, and there were the weird Jerry Judy, Tyler Higby, Swaparoo back and forth this year. I didn't like any of it. Um, yeah, I, I got to nominate um, the first tight end taken. I got to nominate myself for Zach Ertz, guys. I, I, I think I am okay with the reasoning and why I took Zach Ertz there, but, man, that turned out to be such a bummer. Um, yeah, obviously got hurt but tart started terribly and for a guy who didn't have a lot of picks you know i traded mike evans for that pick didn't have a lot of picks at the top of the draft to throw away one on zach Ertz. that that hurt and and i think i gotta nominate um another first round pick guys which is Le'Veon bell that one hurts yeah. um yeah. you know it was the pick that tyler got by trading deandre hopkins for for um aaron jones and i mean Le'Veon bell gave him I mean, I have to go back and look at the beginning of the year, but I, probably one or two startable weeks. I mean, that's That hurts. Yeah, especially that high in the drafts at yeah, number yeah. four overall. Yeah, and what hurt about Le'Veon Bell is too much draft capital to drop. Clearly, it's not going to be a good year. Then he gets released, picked up by the Chiefs. So you're like, okay, good offense. Maybe there's some value there. Gets an opportunity to even start late in the season and was terrible last week. So it's just... Yeah, that's one of the worst picks because it's just one of those years that just doesn't make sense for how good we know Le'Veon Bell is. Um, and that's what makes like a bad pick really bad, where it's like it it just frustrated you the entire season. There's just well, 16 it, weeks of like, maybe now? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Three more points? Okay, that's it. Yeah. And I also think that it, it qualifies as a bad pick because we all kind of knew it was a bad pick when it was made. Mm-hmm. Uh, Le'Veon Bell yeah. is over the hill in <laughs> running back years. Um Tyler taking him at number four kind of shocked all of us. Uh, we had obviously done mock drafts, you know, three or four of them. A lot of the time we had him maybe at the end of the first round, mm-hmm. maybe in, even into the second round. Um, he uh, he certainly did not deliver for Tyler. So so for me, actually, I think that's going to be my pick. I think Le'Veon Bell was yeah. was the worst pick. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. Did we do did we do mock drafts? I don't remember doing that. <laughs> We, uh, we probably didn't. Couple, we should do a bunch this off season. A couple dozen. Let's do uh, a couple just, an episode. Yeah, I want to couple at the top and at the end. Smart. Uh, I, I do want to add, guys. I mean, this this whole um, subjective award approach is a lot of fun. But just so the people know, uh, once I get the week seventeen data dump and we we uh, revamp the tiers uh, on some future episode, I will be able to tell you who actually ended up being. The worst picks and the best picks. I I know people want, um, you know, the data and stuff, but this is fun in the meantime. Yeah, and I think in the meantime, we can definitely give that award to Le'Veon Bell, especially given that it was the fourth pick in the draft. I feel very confident giving that the worst pick of the year. So so the Tyler Boston conundrum. You have the best pick and the worst pick. Congratulations, (laughs) buddy. That's right. Yeah, and and so goes fantasy football. Them's the breaks right there. Uh, now on to the best and worst trades of the season. Um, best trade, when I'm thinking of best trade, I want to look for something that's good for both sides. Both sides are getting value. Maybe there's a, a winner where we can all say, you know, this somebody definitely won out. Um, but what was the best trade where somebody um, was getting a good player for a good value? Uh, one that immediately sticks out to me, one of the last trades made right before the deadline. Clyde Edwards-Alaire for a first-round pick. I think at the time seemed fair. And now also still seems like a very fair pick. Um, given what um, Drew was able to get back for him. You know, he had kind of a stockpile of running backs, uh, made his decision-making going into the playoffs a little bit easier, not having Clyde on his roster. I think that was good for him. Uh, And also good for Brooke to get a a future piece, a young running back and a good offense. Um, So I I consider that to be one of the best trades of the year. 
it's a fair a fair assessment um i'm gonna just throw my nominee out there um and it was the trade between uh aj and jimmy uh aj gave up a first round pick and he received darren waller in return who was kind of a key cog in the championship um and i don't know that anyone else was willing to give a first round pick for darren waller so i think jimmy actually got great value at the time uh that he traded darren waller especially considering where he drafted darren waller um i think you can say both teams are probably pretty happy with how that turned out i don't think jimmy could have done any better and and it ended up winning aj championship yeah now so so you got to go before me chuck and and now i look like the ass who can't name one good trade (laughs) that anyone else in the league did my nominee was also darren waller um because i just thought and i only have one nominee because i I just thought it was hands down um the, the most even for the reasons you mentioned i mean AJ doesn't win a championship if he doesn't make that trade. Um, It was it was a hole on his roster. I think he traded for Hunter Henry, if I'm not mistaken, with you, Jordan, Mm -hmm. real early, trying to plug a hole because he had no fant in there after the draft, I think, and that just wasn't quite working out. And uh, was moving around and ended up, you know, moving the best capital he had, which was a first round pick. We thought it was kind of a little pricey, and then and then Darren Waller had the second half of the season that he had. Just because we like both sides of it, I think that has to be the winner for me. You guys agree? Yeah, I agree. I think that's the winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Darren Waller, uh, best trade of the year. Getting a, a first-round pick for Darren Waller and A.J. getting 30 and 40-point outings from Darren Waller late in the year. That's helpful. That's a nice thing to have out of the tight end position and also someone that uh, is probably a borderline keeper going into next year. Uh, was just a, a favorite target in that offense. So uh, great trade in that one. Now let's move on to the other side in this category worst trade oh we got some nominees and the nominees <laughs> are a plenty um i don't know what it is about us trading during the season but all of us turn like a weird part of our brain off like the rational part of the brain the off-season part of the brain we just turn that switch right off uh incredible what we did during the season i would like to start the nominations with Tariq cohen for a second that's all i gotta say that was the saturday of week one right if i'm not mistaken yeah. yeah, that was <laughs> it. Like kicked off what was about to come from our trade season. Um, it definitely it's kind of set the the market for yeah. what people were going to start trading for, and especially early in the year. Oh man, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. And Trey just didn't play. No, played, no. <laughs> did no, not like, play football this year. So. Yeah, he played played week one towards ACL, right? So yep. I'll I'll let you go, Chuck, because I have a lot. So I'll let you go. <laughs> I have one. I just have one. And I, for me, it's the one with a bullet. Um, and it was, uh, it was JT trading Travis Kelsey to you for a single first-round pick. Um, after he had traded for Travis Kelsey for two first-round picks, like <laughs> two weeks before, JT essentially gave up a 2022 first-round pick so that he could rent Travis Kelsey for... Two weeks, and then and, he and just moved gave down up in on the, the twenty twenty one draft first round. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is <laughs> mind bendingly terrible. Um, very poor management. Uh, that's the one that jumped out to me. I didn't even consider anything else. I just when I saw the category, I thought this is easy. It's Travis Kelsey. Yeah. So that's my nominee. Yeah, I that was. It's the combination of the two, right? That was that was my number one nominee as well. I got I've got several though. I so I got to throw out a couple others that we should consider. So that there was that 
trade for multiple first-round picks, there was the Adam Thielen for two first-round picks. Yeah. And, you know, Thielen gave Tyler a couple good games, um, and it, it was Tyler making an aggressive move, which I think we all liked the idea behind it, but but two firsts for a guy whose ceiling was like a top 15 wide receiver, uh, that that one was rough. Um and then, and then I've got a, I've got a couple from Mr. Freeze. So the Mike Davis stuff, I mean, those are, oh, those yeah. are rough, right? I mean, we, yeah. We've gone over this yeah, before, yeah. but moving back twice to, to trade Mike Davis away and then reacquire him only to drop him is, is, is just Not really good. bad. And then, um, you know, I'll take your Tariq Cohen for a second and I'll raise you Darius Slayton for a second. Like I, I, oh, no. that, that one happens? was under the radar. That one was under the radar, but yeah. Drew I don't even remember that. He traded a second round pick to Brooke for Darius Slayton very early in the year, and it was, Ooh. um, it was bizarre. I, I don't, I don't really like. Maybe he didn't like. Like, was it a typo? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> he meant twelfth round. He meant twelfth round pick. <laughs> Darius Slayton for a second is like a B side that a band starts playing live and becomes a fan favorite. Like that's one we might talk about in future years much more than we talk this season. Is that one? That's crazy. Because I got Darius Slayton as a throw-in, like, much later in the season, and then just never started him like you should have this year with Darius Slayton, where it's just like, you have wide receiver 42, and he is wide receiver 42 every (laughs) week. You're never going to want to start him. That's what he is. Uh, Do we have a clear winner here? I feel like we do. Yeah, I I, I, I I go with Chuck's nomination. I I think it's the Travis Kelsey, not only because it's the combination of the two trades and JT just losing a first-round pick, and what... Kelsey ended up being, uh, yeah. which was uh, a, like a top seven overall, you know, flex player, um, number one tight end with a bullet, someone who, uh, if you've been listening to the pods, uh, would have helped JT into the championship game. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I how think it's got to be the Kelsey. One. It's got to be Kelsey. Yeah, agreed. There definitely Travis Kelsey. Uh, the entire Travis Kelsey JT trading saga. Uh, wins worst trade of the year. Moving on, it was to closer the, than I thought. It was closer than I thought. There were some exceptionally bad trades. There's so. some ones that really sneak up on you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The heat doesn't hit you until the end with a few of those. Uh, the best <laughs> and worst start of the year. I think we're gonna have some fun with these as well. Uh, going with best start. I know we touched on this uh, when we talked about the third place game, but I want to start the nominations with AJ Dillon. Drew having A.J. Dillon on his roster the entire year was something that just tickled us throughout the season. Like, that's just, like, amazing that he held on to A.J. Dillon through COVID, through DNP coach's decision, just, like, continuing to have A.J. Dillon all season, just believing in the quads, believing in those training camp photos. And then when he doesn't have a running back because of all the injuries he has, uh, week 16 of the season, James Robinson is out, McCaffrey's not going to play, doesn't look like he really has another flex position, another flex player, uh, and only can play two running backs. He's waiting on Antonio Gibson. He's like, you know, I'm just going to play A.J. Dillon. Okay, first off, we've all been there, but it's never turned into 27 points on a Sunday night. Incredible performance by A.J. Dillon. It's been followed this week by reports of Aaron Jones may not be signing, uh, and A.J. Dillon is incredible and is the secret Mm -hmm. weapon of this team. It's amazing, Drew. I give you so much credit on the patience and persistence with A.J. Dillon. It's like one of my favorite little subplots, little arcs uh, throughout this fantasy season. So thank you for that, Drew, even if you don't win this award. Uh, just thank you for A.J. Dillon. That's a fantastic one. I, A.J. Dillon has made me laugh 
out loud like a dozen different times this year just as I'm just like sitting alone looking at Drew's roster and I just laugh that AJ Dillon is still somehow on his roster and then uh you know goes out in a in a big matchup in the playoffs and starts him and gets 27 fucking points it's unbelievable to me uh that's a great nominee you guys know how this ends right though right I mean he keeps him and he becomes just like a top three running back he just becomes (laughs) that's how that's how this ends (laughs) right yeah, no, no. He's just got one of the best running backs in the league all of a sudden. Yeah, no, that's definitely how this goes. Yeah, he just trades uh-huh. away Derrick Henry and then has a new Derrick Henry to replace it. Yeah, that's how I see this ending. So my nominee for best start of the year, you know, the best decision that somebody made with their lineup. Um, I went, I went, I'm going to name one of my co-hosts here. I'm going to name Jordan. Um and it was uh, the Thanksgiving Day Texans stack that he had against Adam, yes. mm. where he had Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks and Kiki Cutie uh, all in his lineup playing against the Lions. Uh, they combined for like 90 points. Of those 90 points, uh, I think 70 were between Will Fuller and Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Um, you know, it. Maybe the the matchup didn't end up having uh, a ton of implications in in the way that the season ended up going for you, Jordan. Um, But you did end up winning that matchup in a game that Adam really needed uh, for playoff seeding. Um, and it was it was ballsy. It was funny. It was against the Lions, uh, which was I, I there was just a a little bit of spice to that that I really enjoyed. Um, so that's that's one of my nominees. I actually have another nominee too uh, for my other co-host, which was uh, in week six. He started Justin Jefferson and got like forty-four points from him, um, and that was the week he was playing Drew. And he won by like two points. And we remember that week because that's when Kenyon Drake had that amazing like walk-off touchdown uh, to end the game that like nobody saw coming. <laughs> but uh, without without the forty-four from Justin Jefferson. Um, that wouldn't have happened. And, you know, it was week six. Justin Jefferson had had a couple of pretty good weeks, but he was by no means a must-start player at that point in the year. Um, and he ended up having a huge game. And, uh, you know, Adam put up 160 points that week. Uh, it was a huge matchup and a, a devastating loss for Drew. Um, and like I said, we'll remember the Kenyon Drake touchdown, but Justin Jefferson was an important, important piece to that win. And, uh, again, given given how early it was in the season and how unknown Justin Jefferson still kind of was at that point. Uh, that one deserves a nominee for me. Yeah. Yeah. Having been on both sides of those last two, I can attest uh, to, to their impact. Uh, so I appreciate that. And I, you know, this is a, this is a fun category. I actually, I went back and you know, you, you kind of think, I, I, I thought that there'd be some, you know, a lot that really stood out, but you know, there were a lot of, a lot of guys who kind of went plug and play with their rosters this year, but but one that that really stood out uh, was actually another one involving me, and it was in my matchup with you, Chuck. Uh, you started with Justin Herbert. Uh, you had started Lamar Jackson all year. It was his bye. It was a big matchup between the two of us. Uh, you're trying to keep pace for a bye. I'm fighting for a playoff spot, and um, you know Justin Herbert had a couple good games, but but a, you know, you picked him up off waivers. No one had started him yet. And you started him, and he went off, and it was the reason you beat me that week because uh, I, I also had to play waivers at quarterback and played Roethlisberger. So I, that was – I, I like that one. And then, you you know, you were able to keep Herbert on your roster the rest of the year, which was good because you kept him away from some other teams that really needed a quarterback. So I, I, I liked that one. Um, but, you know, having been a part of, of 
some of these. I mean, I, I have to go back to I have to go back to Jordan's though. I, I just because of the story, the story that AJ Dillon gave us, the the rostering him all year, his get his best game being four points, and then the third place game with one hundred fifty dollars on the line. Drew lost, but it wasn't because of AJ Dillon. He was his best player on the week. Yeah, I mean, the only way the story gets better is if if Drew had won that week, right? But yeah. um, AJ Dillon, I mean, can, we can fucking name the award after the guy. I mean, it's it was absolutely, absolutely an amazing play. Um, I, I think it's got to take the cake. Jordan, are you you in agreement with us? Definitely, yeah. AJ Dillon, it's you're right that the sports movie version of this, uh, Drew also wins the week, but. It was just a great story. Uh, and incredible this whole year through COVID and everything else to have A.J. Dillon at the end of the year. Uh, was, yeah, definitely the best start of the year. Um, just quickly, the, like two little notes on that Texan stack. One, I loved it because it got Matt Patricia fired. That was cool. <laughs> and two, it was like one of the last games Will Fuller played, and he's still going to finish as a top 25 wide receiver. Love that, too. Just, like, go out with 40. That's a good way to go out. I love it. Because well, um, he was juicing. I mean, I mean, that, you can, know, that, can we? It was an. Uh, what's your defense? What's your defense? Uh, allegedly, surgery. Uh, alleged no, no, surgery. No, he admitted it. No, he admitted it. You know, I. You know, you you uh, trust doctors because you think they know what they're doing. You know, and they let you down. You know, and no. we have doc- doctors in this league that can attest no, to the mistakes they make. Right? Don't do this. Don't throw the doctors under the bus. <laughs> Doctors our, and lawyers. Our frontline workers. Bus. Yeah, no, I, I won't do that. You're right. I'll, I'll step back. Worst start of the year. Again, I think we've got some nominees here. Uh, Chuck, we've got to start with yours. <laughs> I love yours because it's, again, one of the, one of the like, sub-stories of the subplots of the season was Drew in the tight end position. Yeah, Drew Drew in the tight end position. Uh, so, so Tyler Boston has won best pick and worst pick. I think it's entirely likely that Drew wins best start and worst start here. Um, <laughs> Drew, and it has been well chronicled through the podcast, has really struggled with the tight end position all year. All year, all year. And it kind of came to a head uh, just this uh, last week when Drew was in the semifinals against AJ. Um, really tight matchup, fighting to get into the championship game, and he gets bit by the tight end bug again with one of the weirder starts of the year where he picks up the backup tight end for the Dolphins after Kaziki gets hurt uh, the week before, and he throws Adam Shaheen in there, uh, gets two and a half points, and then loses a heartbreaker to AJ. Had he started Hayden Hurst, which obviously we all said to do that on the podcast, had he started Hayden Hurst, he wins that game, he gets in the championship, uh, which would have been fantastic for me because then I get to win the championship. Uh, so in a way, Adam Shaheen kind of fucked me too. Um, but but uh, but yeah, Adam Shaheen, because of the magnitude of the matchup, because of the like, I, I don't want to say arrogance, but like the ballsiness of Drew to just like pick up a waiver tight end, throw him in there after he had Hayden Hurst That's... all year. Um, it was a weird... It, it was it was super aggressive and it's, um that, that's too yeah. generous. it was foolish it was foolish uh, guys adam shaheen should never be you know it's one thing if like uh kelsey or waller or one of those guys goes out or you know you know when when Ertz would get hurt these last couple of years and got it was there and you knew it was a team that targeted the tight end it was a high powered offense 
uh, and you were you were guaranteed to pick up some targets. Like, what was he thinking? Like, this is this is an offense that through the air with Tua had really struggled. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Adam Sheehan and Mac Collins there, uh, who who I, you know Mac Collins had the better game. Uh, I think he had like he had, he had like half a point better than Adam Sheehan. Um, but like, you don't even know that Adam Sheehan is going to be the guy. Like, I, I don't know if he overthought this or underthought this. You mentioned Hayden Hurst. He also had Jonu Smith there. He also had Tyler Higby there. This is a bad start. Um, so that's that's a good one, Chuck. I, I, I would have had that one. I, I've got a couple others, though. I, I've got another playoff one. Um, I, and, and, and maybe this one's not quite as good because it didn't cost the owner his win. But, but Willie Sneed was a bad start. <laughs> it almost Sneed. cost Tyler. Yeah, that's another storyline from the season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to remember the Willie Sneed game for a while, right? Um, it, it was, uh, yeah, that story will go on uh, in my heart um, because, gosh, there were so many options. He could have picked up anyone uh, in the league, um, and he picked up Willie Sneed. Uh, I, and I one other nominee. Um, I'm just going to nominate JT's entire week 13 roster because I'm still upset about about that. So that's, that's fair. That's it's own. not going to win, but it's an honorable mention. It's my other nominee for worst start of the year. Yeah, Everyone. that could have been its its own weird award category. Just whatever JT did least, week 13. Least sportsman like move of the year. I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll come up with category. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Future seasons will have that under wraps for sure. Um, I. I feel like I've got to give it to one of the the playoffs playoff um, decisions. That should probably be the worst start of the year. Another one to throw in there would be Drew having Ryan Tannehill over Pat Mahomes. That's that's not a thing you yeah, do. Yeah, that was versus right? me. Yeah, we talked that about that one when it bad. happened. That one's it's unforgettable too, though. Yeah, I, and we warned him on the podcast. We warned him. We <laughs> said maybe you should play Patrick Mahomes against the Jets, and like yeah. then he throws five touchdowns because of course he did. Right, it was, it was so yes. predictable. It was not a joke. Yeah, we we're very serious. We've never told a joke on this podcast. Uh, um, <laughs> I mean, we're we're wrong a lot, but but that one was that did seem really obvious. It doesn't quite have the implications of the other two because it wasn't a playoff start. But no. you know, it's it did cost Drew the win because he got twenty less points or like tw- I think twenty twenty three less points um, from Tannehill than he would have from Mahomes, and I only won by 22. So it would have made the difference in a win for him. Um, so, yeah, that's an interesting one. Drew getting a couple of nominations here. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that if we're picking bad. a winner, it, it's tough. It's tough to pick a winner in this category. Should we just give it to Drew? We don't have to name which, which decision <laughs> it was. give it to Drew? Yeah. I think it's either Willie Sneed because we just want to commemorate Willie Sneed with an award, or we just give it to Drew. And maybe we just give it to Drew for the tight ends this year. Just like uh, because of the body of work, you know, how sometimes like older <laughs> actors will win an Oscar for like a bad indie movie toward the end of their career. And it's because like for the body of your work, you, you now have won, you know, this award. This is Drew winning the worst start of the year is your tight end position this year. I think that's right. I think that's yeah, right. Because he lost, fair. right? If Ty- Tyler won with Willis Need, but but it literally cost Drew playoff positioning and losses during the year, and it cost him his season in the semifinals. So, yeah, Adam Shaheen and, and Drew should get it. Yeah, definitely. Moving on, uh, now we want to look at the best waiver ad of the year. Uh, this is a category, again, I think, like, how you categorize it, how you want to give out this award is important. I think best waiver ad should be a player that was, like, on the roster and made a difference. So one that would immediately stick out to me would be, again, nominating myself, uh, James Robinson. 
picking up James Robinson when everyone was scrambling to figure out Jacksonville's backfield. And I hit on James Robinson, but then traded him away a few weeks later for Corey Davis. That was bad. That was a bad trade. Corey Davis was like fine. I think he's like a top 30 receiver still, but it would have been very nice to have James Robinson throughout this season. But because he wasn't on my team, I'm not sure if I can give myself that. Um, Adam, I know you have a couple that you want to mention here uh, for best ad of the year. Yeah, I've got a couple. Um, I, I already mentioned one. I Maybe this one isn't quite on the level, but an honorable mention is Chuck's ad of Justin Herbert. Um, like yeah. I said, he was on waivers, and Chuck added him at the perfect time because he was starter quality the rest of the year. Um, so that was a good one. Uh, I'll, I'll throw my, myself a bone, which is adding Brandon Ayuk. Uh, he was a little inexplicably dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he had had some injury issues, but when he had been out there, he had been electric. And he actually finished, uh, based on uh, weekly average, as like a top 15 wide receiver on the year. Um, so, you know, but didn't, that didn't really have any any implications down the road. Uh, my, my, my nominee, though, I'll, I'll nominate Mike Davis. Um Again, there was some some tomfoolery uh, after he was added, but at the time he was added, um, you know, he ended up going on to be a, a top fifteen running back on the season, um, and and so that was that was a great add by Drew when it happened. Um, you know what he did after that. Um, you know, <laughs> was it was it Drew that added him or was it you, Jordan? Maybe I should have had him? this in my notes. Uh, I think it was Eric. Yeah. Added him right oh, now. was it? Yeah. Well, well, that was after that was oh, after we dropped him. I'm yeah. saying the first ad. The um, first ad was Drew. It was Drew. Okay, all right, yeah. all right, good. Yeah, you can cut that out. Leave it in. Either way, that's up to you. That's your call. That's that's like a fun little producer. back and forth. Yeah, <laughs> not. Uh, you know, it's it's the, you know the, the folks can play along at home, but but no, <laughs> he he ended up being a big uh, you know a big impact on the league and and ultimately draft position. So Mike Davis is my nominee. Um, I got a nominee here, Jordan. You were kind of self-critical about uh, what happened with James Robinson. I have to be a little self-critical myself. Um, I actually drafted Robbie Anderson at the very end of the draft uh, and quickly dropped him. Um, and uh, Brooke Davis was able to pick up Robbie Anderson. Uh, so Brooke gets the uh, the guy that, that ends up being really, you know, the best receiver on his team, the most consistent receiver on his team, uh, picked him up <laughs> off waivers. Ooh. Um and and that was certainly my mistake. Um, so so I'll give that one an uh certainly a nomination here. Well, you misidentified your drop guy. You know you got you got to have one, and you misidentified him as Robbie Anderson. But really, a good it's nomination because it's yeah you got to you got to have a drop guy. You got to know your drop guy. Um, <laughs> Damn it! But 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 huge. I, I like this nomination because Brooke was really wide receiver poor. He needed to, to get lucky, hit a home run, whatever you want to call this, uh, at some point either in the draft off waivers, and, and he did. And, and and big reason he made the playoffs is Robbie Anderson this year. Yeah. Also, having a drop guy is why we need round 13. I'll just I'll come out and stunt for it right now. Uh, round 13 is going to happen. I think we've all agreed that it's something that needs to happen. We need to have 17. Everybody needs another spot for a drop guy. Yeah, you I'm, just I'm need in on that. Drop guy. Absolutely. Literally, Bryce Love, it can be right? any, round any, 13. Right. Need a drop guy. Yeah. Any position, you know, it's it's a super flex drop guy. You know what I mean? Like, it can be any position. doesn't matter. Right. Super flex drop guy. I love that. Uh, just kind of rolls off the tongue in a nice way. Um, so for best waiver ad, I actually kind of like Brooke with Robbie Anderson. Stayed on his team the whole year. Chuck's right. Was probably his, his most consistent receiver. Had a great year. 
Uh, we expected one of those Carolina receivers would be really good. Um, they had three like fantasy relevant receivers, and Robbie Anderson was definitely the most consistent. Do we feel comfortable with that being waiver ad of the year? I, I, I think that's fair. James Robinson and Mike Davis had bigger years, but yeah. but you're right. There was so much nonsense uh, that that it, it hurts it. It doesn't quite feel right to give the guys who added those guys the award because then sure. they, because they later fucked it up. Whereas Brooke added Robbie Anderson and it helped him all year. So I'm I, I'm good with that. I I think that's a nice award. Yeah. All right. Brooke gets it. And Brooke, you know, deserving of it after making the playoffs, it's moves like adding somebody like Robbie Anderson to your team that uh, that'll get you there. So best waiver out of the year, Brooke with Robbie Anderson. All right. Now into our big three awards of the evening. Our version of the big three awards of the evening. Record of the year, song of the year, album of the year. For these three, we want to start off with worst manager of the year. And this is one category where, you know, I think you could have everyone, you know, hard on themselves, feeling like maybe you're up for it, except for AJ. You just won the title. Um, Chuck, I'm sure, at certain points throughout the year, was telling us he's the worst manager, had a terrible team, house of cards. But there seems to be a number one with a bullet this season for worst manager. And I think even he would agree. Um, Adam, I I want you to start off the case for why JT is the worst manager of the year. Yeah, so <laughs> it, it is one where it's like um, it's like if we didn't lead with the winner, it it it'd be you know anticlimactic for everyone who's listening, exactly. You know, because everyone knows who's going to win this one. Um, so I, I I do first, Jordan. I think we we just quickly discuss. There are a couple other nominees. Um, you know, I I'll nominate uh, you know friend of the pod uh, Eric Apes. Um, I. I <laughs> You know, Eric's Eric's team, (laughs) he came in with uh, a roster we thought was maybe one of the better ones in the league. And then he just did weird shit at the running back position for like two months where he's he's both buying and selling at that position and and never really seemed to get it any better. Uh, He added some draft capital. That's something we'll talk about in the offseason. But um, also never really threatened to be in this league's upper echelon and, and miss the playoffs despite... Um, you know, it, it taking a sub 500 record to do so. Um, and, and Chuck, is there maybe one other nominee we should discuss before we get to JT? I mean, we, we probably should mention, mention you, Jordan, Yeah. which, which <laughs> to be fair, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that you belong in the category because what really screwed you, you had, you did one thing poorly this year and that was your draft. Which is obviously a crucial, crucial part of it. it which is, yeah, but it's not the only thing. But yeah. I do think you made some good trades. Uh, I do think that um, you know you added another first round pick. Um, I do think that you know, considering what you had, you made great lineup decisions. Um, you won some some games that maybe people wouldn't have thought you were going to win. Um, I do think that you're still in decent shape. Um, I wouldn't really consider you for this award, but it's it's mostly because it's kind of a runaway anyway. So I mean, if you had to nominate someone, I guess I guess you could nominate Jordan. Um, but but it all kind of stems back to the draft. You just you missed on a few too many guys, um, and it's obviously you know that's that's such a huge piece to it. Um, but you know, it's always next year. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree. If there has to be three. 
on the podium and only one winner. I, I would agree <laughs> that I'm up there. I'm on the dais. You know, for the, for the Heisman, there's those years where it's like maybe it's 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 a lock, it's one guy, or maybe it's a race with two, and there's just like a running back that's happy to be there. It's kind of me for worst manager of the year. Uh, bad decisions, but there were enough like good decisions that kept me from like a two or three win season. Uh, and because exactly. that, I probably am not the worst. Um, you know, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't I like work against you... myself to try to you know against my own success. You know that that's probably part of it too. I like how you turned into being nominated for this award into you just missed out on the Heisman. <laughs> just missed out on the Heisman. Yeah, <laughs> just barely. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> Do you see how I kind of threw you both under the bus there, and that I made Chuck talk about you, Jordan? <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. You know <laughs> no, how I... you have a friend. Can you talk bad about him? <laughs> oh, he's right here. Um, while, while he's right oh, in front he, of your face? Yeah, he's on the, this he's one, on the line. Yeah. There's, there's, we can move on because there's there's an obvious an obvious manager to talk about here. And, it, and it's JT. And, and listen, we beat up on him um, at times this year, but it's for a reason. Uh, let's, let's, let's set aside what's happened last month which is uh jt could have been competing for a championship and likely would have finished in the top three uh had he just not disassembled his roster okay because that's that's sort of its projection and 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 you know we know it would have happened but it is it we didn't know at the time that it would be this good but let's go back into at the time um he was he started four and oh he lost couple tough ones and then he and then he had a really bad loss to Jimmy where I think he only scored around 60 points and he panicked like no one in this league has ever panicked at four and three guys and we talked about what it means to start three and0 he started four and0 what it means for your success in this year in this league I think he was sitting at fourth in the league uh, we know that sub 500 teams ended up two sub 500 teams ended up making the playoffs in this league I I it's it was indefensible at the time. We talked about it. It's only gotten worse. It's it's the decision to disassemble the team is worse than any single roster move, right? Because it it was a co- complete strategic shift that um, we've never seen before and is entirely indefensible. I <laughs> does that sum it up? Does that sum it up? Well, well, yeah. I mean, it's one thing you know to. You know, you look at some of the the other teams that missed the playoffs. You know, you you look at Jimmy, and there's some pretty obvious reasons that Jimmy missed the playoffs and why I don't think he's nominated for this award, right? I mean, he battled injuries, catastrophic injuries the whole season. That's not not on Jimmy. Um, You know, Eric obviously did not make his team uh, a lot better, and he did not get them to the playoffs. But we can look at next season for Eric and say, you know what, though? He's put himself in a really good position moving forward. the problem with JT is he made his team worse this year, and he he's not setting himself up for next year either, no. um, or or the year following. He's already you know forfeited a first round pick uh, because of the Travis Kelsey fiasco. So, um, you know, JT made a a, a, a myriad of mistakes. Um, <laughs> he didn't really do anything to make his team better this year or for next year. Um, he's looking at a keeper situation that is is tough to deal with because he's got four guys that I would say are keepers, but they're not four guys you want to keep because they're all running backs. Um, so I don't really know what he's planning on doing there. I feel like he may get kind of stuck in the mud a little bit um, because you can't just go acquire players, even kind of like Jordan can, right? Like Jordan says, 
I need more keepers. He can go get more more guys to keep. Um, JT doesn't even like have room for that, but he has to try and trade a running back now to get space for somebody that's better. But I'm not sure he can. And, and you know, what does he do with CD Lamb? Is he just gonna have to let him walk? You know, he's he's a guy that a lot of analysts are really high on in, in dynasty rankings. Um, I think JT not only made himself worse this year, but he's gonna really struggle next year. Um, and so for me, it's. I mean, that's just kind of why it's a runaway, um, you know, self-inflicted. I've got, I've got more. He, <laughs> he also erased, because he did some nice things. Okay, we talked about Josh Allen was a great pick. Um, he did a good thing drafting Jonathan Taylor at two. Um, there were, he had offers for that pick. Uh, he could have taken anyone else. It was a good pick. TJ Hawkinson was a good pick. Ended up being a good Hawkinson. pick. Was it was good weird pick. because he had already drafted Tyler Higby, which was a bad pick, but whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> but he did some nice things. He did. He had some typical kind of JT-ish um, waiver wire ads. Cole Beasley was a good find there. Um, yeah. But but he he doesn't get any credit for it because he eliminated the chance for those things to work in his favor by trading Josh Allen for really pennies. Um, you know, not trading Mike Evans him. to me for a, for not much. That was a good trade. Um, Mike Evans ended up having a decent year. He traded Mike Evans at his absolute lowest value right after the Bucks signed Antonio Brown. Um, and, and so it's just like even even that's what makes it him the winner here is like even the good things he did they were meaningless because of the strategic decision he made. And and it's listen, JT's won three rings. Um, you, you He'd be the first to tell cap. you. You have to tip your cap to what he's done in past years. Yes. But this is a low point for him. Um, and I don't, think we're, I don't think we're being unfair in how hard we've been on him. I, I mean, I know it's, it's probably a little tough for him to hear. And it's, you know, we, we've beaten up on Eric before. It's maybe gone a little too far. I don't know. I, I, I never thought I went too far, but other people could judge that. But <laughs> I, I don't think we're going too far here with JT because just because it – I've said enough. <laughs> I yeah, Probably. I think, we don't want to lose friendships. You know, right. it's just fantasy football. You right. know, but I think JT is coming around to this idea, so I think he's going to be a lot more receptive to this conversation because he sent some lengthy text messages recently where he's saying like, "I shouldn't have done that. I made a mistake." And it kind of reminds me of like, um, you know, the Texans this year they didn't own their first round pick because they had traded for Laramie Tunsil at the point that it seems their season is over and they fire Bill O'Brien, it's like, hey, baby, you got nothing to lose. You might as well try to win as many games as possible. JT in that moment was like, I'm going to try to lose as many games as possible. But no, no. Even though I don't have my first-round pick. (laughs) You did the wrong thing. Yeah, it's like he was, like, working against his own success when he didn't have anything to gain by doing that. And I guess he gained, like, the sixth pick in the draft. Maybe there's something to that. But he could have been, like we said, he maybe could have finished second through fourth this year. I think he probably would have won the first round, um, given the matchup. And then we're looking at a top four finish for his team. That's great. That's that's an awesome year. Uh, and any one of us will take that any season. And then he's going into next year without a first round pick, but a pretty good keeper situation. And that would have been a lot of fun. That's a good fantasy season. Um, so, yeah, I think it's definitely worse manager because, like, at the point that you decided your season was over... He didn't have anything to lose. So, like, just just play it out. Ride it out. And he made the decision not to. Uh, and it, it just it leaves him in a, in a predicament this offseason. And Chuck, you've already kind of spoken on that, right? He's going to have some tough decisions 
given the players that you know he needs to probably keep or are the most valuable on his roster. Um, we saw last year, you know, when it's like he went from having Juju to having Stefan Diggs to having Robert Woods. Like, <laughs> you know, just like slowly giving up draft capital to just keep getting like a slightly better receiver. Oh, he might be I doing. Yeah, he might be doing something like that again this year, but with running backs. Because he's going to have, like, the 12th through 17th running backs. He's going to have four of them. So, like, he may just be slowly building and accumulating better running backs throughout the offseason. So, something to watch with him. Yeah, Stephon Diggs is an important piece to mention, right? I mean, in the offseason, he trades trades with me. He gives away... uh, It wasn't something super high. I want to say, like, a fourth-round pick or something. I mean, he had Stephon Diggs on his team. Um, and ended up <clears throat> deciding that uh, that wasn't the route he was going to go. Um, and then we saw the season that Stefan Diggs had. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, we've all had years that we can say we would rather forget about. Uh, yeah. This is certainly JT's uh, one that he would rather forget about. Um, you know, he's going to have to get creative. Um, we'll see. We'll see who's willing to deal with that. I, I don't know. I, I think that there's not a lot of running backs. Or, or, or I'm sorry, players on, on JT's team that people are going to really be, you know, kind of like foaming at the mouth to go get. Um, and we don't need to keep beating this dead horse. I'm sorry, <laughs> JT, but um, yes. you win. <laughs> you win. I don't know if you want a trophy <laughs> or a plaque, but you, you win. win. <laughs> yes. I, I, after that, I'm sure, you know, everyone's feeling a little down after that. Uh, it's time for our in memoriam. And, and we're going to move on to the Ronald Jones Memorial Award, which is the award for the pick that at the time seemed really bad, but ended up not being that bad. And we're, we're naming it um, already in the, in the memory of Ronald Jones. Uh, but we actually have, and it may seem strange, but there are other <laughs> nominees for this award. Even though this yeah, is not... the, the year of our Lord, Ro- Rojo, there actually are some other options we could go here. So, Chuck, go ahead. Well, I mean, I'm going to nominate Ronald Jones. I'm going <laughs> to yeah, nominate Ronald right, Jones. we got to nominate him. Yeah, exactly. He's going to get the nomination, but I'm not sure he's going to win, uh, yeah. given the criteria for his own award. And it's kind of fitting and perfect for Ronald Jones that he wouldn't even win his own award. Um, but, you know, Ronald Jones was the player where we all thought it was really bad. Uh, certainly me. Uh, maybe was the most outspoken about it. You know, thought it was really bad pick. I still think it was not that great of a pick. But it turned out, it did turn out okay. I mean, it really did turn, Ronald Jones was a, when healthy, uh, was was serviceable most weeks, more than serviceable some weeks. Um, and, uh, you know, so he kind of fits the criteria. So I will give Ronald Jones the nomination. I'm interested to see what you guys have because I'm not sure that that's actually the winner. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a good nomination for this award. Um, and you it have makes to remember, sense, right? It got, it got so much worse before it got better, right? Um, yeah. Because the whole Leonard Fournette thing happened after he picked him. Um, True. But it was it was early. Um, but but that's the whole point of this award, right? I, I've got one. It's actually a guy I've already mentioned. Um, I'll nominate JT's pick of TJ Hawkinson at at sixty one. So this is what I, I, he got some some chatter in the room when he picked TJ Hawkinson for a couple of reasons. He it was. He had already picked Tyler Higby way too early. It was his second tight end, um, and it was, I think, only JT's fourth pick of the draft, and he had still had roster starters that he needed to fill out. Um, it really raised some eyebrows, but turns out TJ Hawkinson ended up finishing his tight end three, 
Uh, and I, I don't remember what he got, but he ended up being an okay trade chip for, for JT. I don't, I don't know, remember what he got in return, but, um, it was, you know, probably not value, but, um, yeah, one of those where, where we have to, and this is a good, I like this category cause it kind of allows us to check ourselves a little bit. Right. I mean, cause we, yeah. you know, we, we say, we say some things, we say some things on this pod. Um, and I, I know, I know some of us said some things in the room, uh, when TJ Hawkins was picked, but Hey, turned out to be a good pick. It was a questionable pick at the time, but ended up, you know, TJ Hawkinson, given um, all the inconsistency of the tight end position this year, would have been nice to have somebody like TJ Hawkinson where, like, an average week was fine. And he had some touchdown upside and uh, is a pro bowler. That's, yeah, weird. Played all 16 games probably. That's that's cool. Had Yeah, had JT not given up on TJ Hawkinson, I would really consider him for the award. Yes. But again, it's one of those ones where it's it's hard to give the credit to JT when he didn't stick it out with the player and he got rid of him. Um, it's fair. So I don't know. Now, there's one more nominee, Jordan. Yeah, who's, I've got one who's more. your nominee? Uh, you know, Drew left a, a lasting impact on this fantasy season, and, and I've got <laughs> one more. He's got his own Ronald Jones. Uh, after having three first-round picks, he's got a bit of a break in the draft, and he comes back, and it, he's got a pick in the 30s, and then like a, another little wait uh, in between picks. So we're all kind of thinking, like, oh, he's kind of got to nail this one. Like, he needs, like, a, a, a good player here. And he takes Antonio Gibson. And at the time, given the three first-round picks and he's got a bit of a break, it just seemed crazy to take Antonio Gibson this high. We all expected Antonio Gibson to be overdrafted, given the hype at that point in the offseason. Didn't expect him to go in the 30s. Uh, it was it was pretty crazy at the time that he took Antonio Gibson. And Antonio Gibson ended up being like a workhorse running back in Washington, which was not what we expected, not the outcome that I think any of us expected. We expected like the PPR scat back Antonio Gibson. Yeah, he was a wide that. receiver in college. I exactly. Mean, right. Well, and and at the time this pick happened, Washington still had like 14 running backs. Yes. Like yeah. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Darius Geis hadn't happened yet. He was still on the team. Am I remembering that correctly? It would have been really or no, close, no. yeah, to Geis yeah. being on But I think Bryce Love. Yeah, Bryce well, Love was, was kind of the, the hot. Yeah, Bryce Love was on the team. Uh, You know, we had no idea if Gibson would see Peyton Barber. That's right, would see the field. JT McKissick, Um, and and you're right. He ends up being this workhorse who's he was in Drew's lineup um, for most of the second half of the season. And you know, it's a guy who I think we've said some things about um, after Drew drafted him. Like like you didn't need to take him there. And and let's let's be clear. We're not saying that, that that these guys needed to be taken there. No, we're just we're just saying it's it ended up being okay <laughs> because <laughs> right. because these guys ended up being good. You know, one one last honorable mention uh, also for Drew that I can remember kind of viciously mocking, which I don't think should win, but I I do think deserves the honorable mention. Um, and it doesn't deserve to win because he did take him in the tenth round, but it was Chase Claypool. Um, yeah. Chase Claypool was on almost nobody's radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he was looking like he might be wide receiver four or five on the depth chart for the Steelers. Rookie wide receiver. Uh, didn't even really look like there was going to be a place for him this year. Uh, and then came out and had some some incredible games. Uh, faded off a little bit at the end of the year. Um, certainly not as, as strong as, as somebody like Antonio Gibson was. But deserves an honorable mention because I I know that I can at least, you know, admit that I was uh I was pretty mean about that one I think that went is like in my preseason like worst picks that was that was one that I named so 
I'll uh, I'll eat a little crow on that one. Uh, it deserves an honorable mention. Yeah, and also credit again to Drew for just like holding on to everyone for the entirety of the season. Like Chase Claypool, Antonio Gibson, AJ Dillon, these guys just rode the team the entire year. It's kind of incredible. Um, it, and <laughs> I I think while this award is named after Ronald Jones, part of the criteria for this award is you know you you believe in this person right and it seems throughout the season that Brooke never believed enough in Ronald Jones and maybe it's because of the peer pressure that we all applied on that pick uh, to start him it seems he never got it right he had both Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones and could never really understand when to play both of them when to just play one which one to play uh, and it it kind of worked against him so even though this is the Ronald Jones Memorial Trophy I think I want to give it to Antonio Gibson. Does that seem crazy? I do, too. Yeah. I do, too. Um, yeah, no, it's unanimous. Unanimous. Yeah, it's, a great, it's a good pick. Antonio Gibson, the Rojo Award. And moving on to our final our, our final award of the evening, and it's Best Manager. The Best Manager of the Year. I think we definitely have some some nominees for this one. Uh, and in much like Worst Manager, maybe there is a, a clear Best Manager this year. Um, given what we talked about on the top of the pod, it, it may seem pretty clear to everyone listening, but... Um, Chuck, you know, where do you sit when you think of the best manager for this fantasy season? I mean, it's hard not to give it to the guy that we just said, you know, fielded one of the two or three best teams of all time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, for me, hard not to say that this is this is AJ. Um, the one thing I guess you could maybe argue is that this is a, a culmination of several years worth of work. Um, and maybe not just this specific year. Um, I mean, he's obviously had Kamara and Cook for years. Uh, those weren't new acquisitions this year. Um, so if you, I guess, weren't going to give him the award, I, I suppose you could argue that, but I, I don't really think that's a fair argument. I mean, it's still still AJ, still this team, still uh, his management style. He obviously ended up with those guys. That's not an easy thing to do. Um, I mean, he's held on to these guys for a couple years. He held on to Delvin Cook after a rookie year that he wasn't really that great, uh, and he still mm-hmm. kept him. Um, you know, so that took some balls, and, and I don't want to take away from that. So for me, it it is AJ, um, you know, the most wins in the, in the history of this league, a championship, a regular season championship. Um, I don't know how you don't give it to that guy. I know that's a little anticlimactic, but he's deserving of it. Yeah, I, I think you can you can nominate AJ just based on what he did this year. I mean, setting aside the running backs, uh, he had the best draft in the league. Yeah, Deontay Johnson, tremendous pick. You you forget because of what happened after Burrow got hurt, but Tyler Boyd, great pick. Yes, uh, Russell Wilson, great pick. Made the D, made the trade to get DK Metcalf and keep him, which was a it was a ballsy move. Um, I, I think at one point in this pod, you know, someone said DK Metcalf was the worst player kept. Um, that ended up being not true. Um, and then and then he made what we called the best trade of the year, which was going to get Darren Waller. So For sure. just just looking at what he did this year, um, I, I, yeah, I, I I think it is hands down AJ. I, I will nominate uh, someone else, and I, I got to nominate Chuck, uh, as, as painful as that is. Thanks, um, man. I know that <laughs> tastes like vinegar coming out of your it, mouth. <laughs> it's not. It's not easy. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, but it's 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 the right thing. Um, you know, Chuck Chuck did it for a second year in a row where he really did a nice job with this roster. He really mixed it up coming off a championship. 
Uh, he traded Ezekiel Elliott and Travis Kelsey. And the Zeke trade obviously ended up working out for you, Chuck, right? You turned it into Aaron Jones and two first. You turned that into uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Two of those pieces ended up being DeAndre Hopkins, who ended up being great for you this year. We already talked about Keenan Allen being one of the better picks of the draft. Uh, I, I thought the Nick Chubb move was was good. It didn't end up kind of being the the game changer for you at the end of the season just based on the way the Browns finished and he finished. But he gave you some good weeks and really plugged a final hole on your roster. Um, and, and and there's really – we talked about the, what you did with Justin Herbert. Um, I, I thought it was a great season for you as a manager. It, it, it's really hard to find somewhere where you screwed up or, or did something wrong with this team. And – you know, you kind of gave yourself at the end of the year a roster that was pretty plug and play, which is is that you're doing good managing at that point because you weren't, you know, you eliminate room for error and you kind of filled out the roster nicely. So, um, I, I thought I thought Chuck did a great job. Obviously, um, you know, you weren't your roster wasn't what AJ's was, and and that spelled out at the end and I, I so I think for some of the moves AJ made and some of the draft picks he had uh I, I do give it to AJ but but Chuck's right up there with him with uh, having a great season yeah I agree I I think there, there's clearly the one in the two uh, and you know controversially like I I was thinking Drew should be considered but there Absolutely was so not. much Absolutely on the not. negative <laughs> right there's just so much working against him but going into the draft, he had set himself up having Christian McCaffrey and three first-round picks. I don't know a lot of people in a dynasty or keeper league that had that sort of situation. Uh, and then to take players like A.J. Dillon, Chase Claypool, Antonio Gibson, he had a good strategy. Just the, the in-season management really worked against him. And I think there was an opportunity for this to be a really special season, and he ended up losing, I think, five-ish games. And it was just kind of a, a disjointed season, disjointed effort for Drew. So there was the possibility for something really special, and it just didn't quite pay off. But I, I just like wanted to tip my, my cap toward what Drew started this year with because, again, like the three first-round picks, Christian McCaffrey, like that was very concerning <laughs> going into the draft. Like I thought we were going to see Drew potentially run away with this thing given what he was setting himself up with. Um, but again, I think it goes to there's a clear one and two this year, and I think we were lucky that best two managers also had the best two teams in the end. Well, so for me, I mean, if you're going to say that Drew had the most potential and still <laughs> lost five games, he's not the best manager. I mean, yeah. he's not the best manager. And does he? I mean, do we need to revisit worst manager? I mean, does he? I'm, does he need to be talked about, Adam? I'm with you, you, Chuck. I'm with you, Chuck. Well, here it, Jordan spelled it out nicely. It was a tale of two seasons for Drew. He might have won the off season. Um, but that just that just points out how much he 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 fucked up in season. So maybe he doesn't belong on either list because he yeah. he, he assembled such a nice roster, had some nice draft pieces, um, got unlucky with Christian McCaffrey. We we, we do have to hand him that. Um, but but just made some terrible in season decisions that ended up costing him a chance at a championship. So there's 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 bits of both, and and I think as I mean, anyone listening back to this podcast, I think he was nominated for every award because he was just Basically, he was just in it all, which is which is good. You know, you want to be in it, you want to be taking risks, but but some of them just didn't work out for him. Yeah, right. So yeah, I, I, I no way should he be nominated for for best, but I I don't think he's quite worst either. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so either. Um, you know, last honorable mention here, and 
I don't think he should win, but um, but Tyler Boston changed it up a lot this year, and yep. uh, he deserves a little bit of respect on his name for that. Um, you know, he he made some big trades. He was more active than he's been. Um, you know, he he at least went and tried to, to change his roster up with the with the Thielen trade. Uh, it didn't end up totally panning out, but I mean, guy finished third in the league. That's uh, that's two playoff wins for that team this year. Um, and he had some big injuries. I mean, you look at mm-hmm. you look at Kittle, you look at Julio. Uh, those were really tough um, Most dirt to, to right fight after through. Trade for him. Right, exactly. So yeah. you know, those are those are all tough things to overcome. He still put together a fantastic roster, uh, a really great season. Like I said, two playoff wins and and finished on the podium. So I mean, no, he shouldn't win, but like you know, honorable mention is something, something. I'm, I, I think he's in the honorable mention territory. Kyler Murray, great pick as well. I'll throw that in there. Yeah. That's true. Uh, but I think much like we started the episode, I think we end the episode applauding AJ on a great season and uh, handing him the Best Manager of the Year award. So we've uh, come to the end of this episode and a look into the off season. The off season in the last few years has become its own season for us. We, we stay in touch just as much as we do during the season. We're talking football just as much as we do during the season. Uh, I think looking forward... We're not going to be weekly anymore. I think we go back probably closer to monthly like we were last off season. That probably makes sense. We have the lottery coming up very soon. I know we're figuring that out. So we'll have the draft lottery. And, of course, we got to break that down. NFL draft will be coming and the NFL free agency. Training camps will be opening. It's, we got a lot to look forward to. So with that, I think we wrap this one up on the awards. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And uh, we look forward to, to more in the future. Season 3 of Third Lunch starting uh, pretty soon here. Yeah, man, that's a wrap on Season 2. Happy uh, Happy New Year to everybody. Let's put 2020 behind us. Let's uh, kind of move into hopefully a, a little bit of an easier year for all of us. It's been yes. challenging. Um, I would like to, to thank both of my co-hosts for making 2020 just a little, a little easier, a little more fun. This has been, uh, you know, a bright spot in some weeks that have not been that bright. Um, so it's been really fun. Uh, love doing it. Love that you guys all listen to this. I don't know why the fuck you do, but you do. And uh, it's super fun for us to do. Uh, hopefully you guys have just as much fun listening to it. And, uh, yeah, Happy New Year, guys. Yeah, well said, Chuck. I mean, we, we wouldn't do this if we didn't have our hordes of listeners. So I, I got to thank you guys uh, for keeping us in and business. Sponsors. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, we kind of forgot about those like a couple months ago. <laughs> um, but maybe maybe they'll be back in in season three. We'll Come have back. to see. They're more of an off yeah. season thing. Yeah. 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 When we when we have nothing else to talk about. Um, no, it, it it was a lot of fun. Um, we kind of upped the ante this last month, trying to go every week. And um, you know, I told I know Chuck, we're pulling you away from from small children and and sleep um, more than anything. And so I, I appreciate you doing that. I appreciate both of you guys. Uh, mostly you, Jordan, with the heavy lifting, with the editing. Um, it's it, it's it's been fun. Uh, it's kind of a, a a fun way to connect with you two, and and a unique way to connect with the rest of the league. Gives us something to talk about, and uh, I'm looking forward to discussing Drew remaking his keepers in mid February or whenever we get back together with this whole thing. Absolutely, love you, boys. Happy New Year, and we'll be talking to you soon on another episode of Third Lunch. Most people's bubbles.